You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Well, good morning. And Merry Christmas to all of you. I uh, trust that you've had a great day. Uh, Maybe you've already opened gifts today, if that's a tradition in your home, or maybe you're waiting to do that. If you are, the kids want me to be really brief today so that you can get home. But uh, what a great day it is. And uh, today we want to talk about the the journey of the sovereign, um, the journey of Jesus Christ, and how he gave me the greatest gift ever given was the gift that God gave when he gave his son. Now, uh, Sue gave me some gifts. I've already opened them, and I'm wearing my nice new pants and my new sweater. And if you don't like them, too bad. I'm wearing them anyways. And uh, somebody actually asked her after the first, did you really give those to him? Like, I make this stuff up when I stand up here, right? And uh, so, yes, they are a gift. And if you don't like them, you just keep it to yourself. Um, But the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of the Sovereign, Uh, What an amazing truth that is. I read this quote today thinking about the work of Christmas. It goes like this. The birth of Christ brought God to man. The work of Christ brings man to God. When you get that figured out, you got life figured out. The birth of Christ brought God to man. The work of Christ brings man to God. To God. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for the amazing privilege it is to be here today and to uh, worship together, worship the King of Kings, our Savior Jesus Christ, the Lord. And uh, Father, what an amazing Christmas it is. And we ask God that as we look at your word and some principles from it for a few minutes this morning, you would encourage us and challenge us, stir us, Lord. If we need to be convicted, would we be convicted? God, do whatever work you need to do because we're willing to hear from you today on the day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, two or three years ago, Sue and I were uh, in London, England. We were um, traveling on our way back or forth from uh, Playish, Romania, and stopped in England. We were with uh, Dave and Sonia Locke, and uh, we were there for a couple days to do a little bit of touring. And uh, we walked along the front of the uh, Parliament buildings, not the Riverside, uh, but the other side. And as you're walking along, put the pictures up, guys. You can see... um, there's a picture coming. There it is. You, you walk by this amazing gate. It's a massive gate. And uh, so we're looking at it. As I looked at it, I saw this little sign on the, on the grate that's there. So let's go in there. It's called the Sovereign's Entrance. It's called the Sovereign's Entrance. When the Queen comes to Parliament, that's her entrance. That's the way she comes in. There's probably a lot of pomp and circumstance. There's probably a parade. There might be a band because the queen is coming. And so the sovereign has her own entrance into the building. I was thinking about that the last couple of weeks and thinking about our sovereign's entrance and and what it looked like. Uh, It didn't have all of that pomp and circumstance Um, Jesus Christ comes and he's not even born in Jerusalem. You know, you think about how you might roll that out if if you were God and you might like, let's do it in Jerusalem. Let's make sure everybody knows, get everybody there. And that's not the way that God had this planned out. And so Jesus would come and he would be born in a place that's called Bethlehem and and Mary would give birth and she would uh, put her son in a manger. Um, And so we have the sovereign's entrance in London, England, but we have a very different sovereign's entrance into our world. The king of kings' entrance looked much different, and yet he was the sovereign. And so what is that? What is that idea of being a a sovereign? The word word sovereign means supreme ruler. 
It's somebody who has jurisdiction, somebody who has rule, somebody who has supremacy, someone who has control, someone who is dominant. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ when, when he came. He wasn't a king who came. He was the king who came. And so today we want to learn some things about the sovereign and why he came and what he did. But let's uh, put it in scripture first. In Luke chapter 2 it says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. And Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, Have this mind among yourselves, which was yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being fo- and born in the likeness of man, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want us to take a look at uh, some principles about the sovereign. Why did Jesus come? Who was he? Why was he here? And some principles that we can take away today on this Christmas day. So the first thing we want to take a look at is the need for the sovereign. The need for the sovereign. And to answer that in one question is the word separation. Uh, We needed a sovereign because we were separated from almighty God and we couldn't fix it. There was nothing we could do about it. I would call it this way. We we have a God-sized problem. And we need a God-sized solution to this problem called separation. It started way back in the garden when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, and they they died. Spiritually, they died. Uh, By one man, sin entered the world, Adam, Uh, So by the second Adam, Jesus Christ, life comes. And so we are separated from God. And the king-size problem. The Bible says no one is righteous, not even one. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. That's what what the Bible clearly states. And in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59, Isaiah, the same guy who wrote, the virgin shall conceive, and who wrote, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Uh, That same guy, he wrote these words, Isaiah 59 too. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear And so man is separated from God because of our sin. See, the the, the whole point of Christmas is not just that a baby could be born. The point of Christmas is that there would be an incarnation. We'll talk about that in a second. God would come to earth so that he could live. He could pay a price. He could die. Why? Because we needed a sovereign because we were separated from God and we couldn't fix that problem. My selfishness, my self-centeredness, my pride, your self-centeredness, your selfishness, your pride. We all have this problem. It's called sin, and it separates us from God. We have this God-sized problem, and God sends the sovereign Jesus Christ 
to be the answer. So the need for the sovereign was the fact that we were separated from God. Well, then we see the entrance of the sovereign. It's called the incarnation. The incarnation. And so the, the idea of incarnation is about a person who embodies flesh, a person who embodies flesh, a deity. Deity, man. That's the incarnation. So those of you who uh, were Toronto fans until Encarnacion got traded or left, however you choose to believe that, um, his name means incarnation. Encarnacion is the same word. It's from incarnation. And so the next time you get all wound up about that guy, just realize he wasn't the incarnation in Toronto. He's not the savior of the world. Um, but his mom and dad named him that for some reason. I don't know what it was, but I know what it means. Uh, what an amazing principle, an amazing truth that we find the Lord Jesus Christ. He would come in an incarnation. A person who embodies in the flesh God. Colossians 1.15 says he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. And John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I have a problem. I'm separated from God, and it's a God-sized problem. And God sends his Son, Jesus Christ, the incarnation, so that there would be hope for me. There would be hope for you. And so the sovereign comes in a very unassuming way. Most people missed it. But he came for a couple of very real reasons. And that's really the third point of the message. That's the work of the sovereign. The work of the sovereign. There's two parts to it. First of all is salvation. And then the second part is sanctification. The Lord Jesus came so that he could live a righteous, holy, perfect life, so that he could be our substitution, he could be the one who would pay the price, he would be the one who would hang on a cross, he would be the one who would die and rise again, and he would do it for us so that we could have salvation. Now, salvation is not possible for us. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift from God. It's a gift because of God's grace to us. Remember, if you were here last night, we just mentioned briefly that, that Mary found favor in the eyes of God. Mary found grace. God was gracious to her. And God's grace is poured out to everyone who will believe the work of Jesus Christ and what he came to do. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave his son at Christmas. But he gave his son to be the total and complete and ultimate sacrifice so that I could have eternal life. And I can't earn it and I don't deserve it. God did it all for me. All I can do is believe. All I can do is trust the work of Christ and understand that because of what Christ did, I'll stand before God one day as a righteous person. Pastor, we know you. We talk to your wife. We know you're not perfect. That's right, because in my salvation, I've been justified. I've been justified. It's a legal transaction that happens between me and God. The moment I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, I am made before God just as if I'd never sinned. What an amazing truth. What an amazing gift that comes from the sovereign. 
And hey, if you're here today and you're hearing this truth, maybe for the first time, you need to consider the claims of Jesus Christ and what, what I'm claiming he was and what does the word of God say? And as you think about this Christmas season, what is all of this really about? A Christmas was, the purpose of Christmas was that Christ could come so we could have eternal life. And the way you receive it is by just believing. And maybe you've been coming to church and you've been thinking about the Lord and you've been on a journey and what better day than Christmas Day? This is the day. I'm transferring my trust from myself and putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. See, the work of the sovereign was for my salvation. The work of the sovereign was for your salvation and then for everyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our, our life moves on and our, our life moves forward. See, here's the reality when you understand what Christ did. Just, just think about the incarnation. Just think about the reality that Christ is in heaven. God surrenders all of these things so he can come to earth. Why? Well, obviously for us, but like a bit of a downgrade, I would think. Eh? Heaven to come in here. And uh, he did that for you. Uh, he did that for me. And then all that he went through, and eventually the ridicule and the torture and the killing and the it is finished and it had really just begun because Christ would rise from the dead and he would conquer sin and salvation would be ours. See, here's what I believe. I believe when you take hold of that in your life, when you believe what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you, it changes you. You cannot be the same. You can't take hold of who Christ is and all he's done for you and then just live passively, not understanding, not caring. It changes you. And, and that changing you and growing up, we call it in Christ, is, is called sanctification. It's, it's becoming more holy. And just as I said before, I'm not a perfect person. I, I don't ever claim to be that. Uh, you just hang out with my wife for a couple of hours. She could point out 15,000 things that are make me not perfect. But here's what I know. I know before God, I've been made just as if I'd never sinned. And in my sanctification, I know this. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not yet what I'm going to be. We'll see that in a minute. I'm not even yet what I should be. Things in my life I'm wrestling with. Things in my life I'm growing through. But Christ working in my heart, working with me, I am being sanctified. God not only saves us, but he sanctifies us. And so as you consider the Christmas season, as you consider what Christ has done for you, how are you changing? What is God doing in your life? As, as I say that thing, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I will be. I'm not even what I should be. Well, what's the thing in your life? And you go, that's my thing right now. That's what I'm not surrendering to the Lord. Uh, that's, that, that's why Christ came. The sovereign came so that you can be sanctified. You don't work for your salvation. Your salvation is an amazing gift from God. But because of our salvation, we desire to live for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ. The need of sovereign was because we were separated. The entrance of the sovereign is the incarnation, Christ on earth coming for us. The work of the sovereign was my salvation and my sanctification. Here's the last thing. The blessing of the sovereign. The blessing of the sovereign is my glorification. It's my glorification. The work that God has done, the work that God has accomplished, has, has promised me a place in heaven. 
Uh, Jesus said in John uh, 14 and verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where I am, there you may be also. So when does eternal life start for the believer? Eternal life in Christ. Not when you get to heaven. Eternal life for me began when I was eight years old, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's when eternal life begins. But the reality is, eternal life begins here, but there's a big upgrade that's coming. And it's called heaven. And God's gone to, Jesus Christ has gone to prepare a place for us. We saw that in John 14 and verse 3. And there's something coming for us that is so amazing as followers of Jesus Christ. That's why Christ came at Christmas so he could die on a cross so we could have eternal life so that for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, one day we will be with him in glory for eternity. What an amazing hope we have as followers of Christ. But in Philippians chapter 2, it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Not, not some knees will bow and not some tongues will confess. Every knee is going to bow. Whether you are in Christ or whether you reject Christ. You can choose to reject what I'm saying right now. I'm just telling you. It's what the Bible says is going to happen. The moment you stand before God, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue will confess. Confess what? That Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's going to be lots of people who stand before God and say, I tried, I, I worked hard at things, I, I wanted to be a good person, and, and God's going to say, sorry, I, I, don't, I don't know you. I don't know you. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And those who are not followers of Jesus Christ, the Bible clearly says, are going to spend eternity separated from God in a place that's called hell. And so Christmas and the incarnation and the working of the sovereign is also a warning message for us to take hold of who Jesus Christ is and make sure that's not how you bend the knee. And for every follower of Jesus Christ, we'll come before God. I can't even imagine what it'll be like, but we will bend the knee and we will bow and we will say that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God will welcome us. And we will spend eternity with him. Worshipping him. Adoring him. Loving him. The birth of Christ brought man, brought God to man. The work of Christ brings man to God. Our sovereign's entrance, Jesus comes into the world, not filled with a lot of glitz, no pomp and circumstance, not like when the queen shows up at, 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 the, at the parliament in, in England, not like that at all, but quiet in a manger. And the shepherds come and, and they rejoice and they glorify God and, and later on the wise men will come and, and they will bring their gifts, and, uh, but not like when the queen would come. But the queen didn't change the world. Jesus Christ does. And he does when we trust him. You know, really, the so what for us would be like this. The work of Jesus Christ, his coming, his coming as the sovereign, made a way so that I could be saved. It made a way so that I could be kept in Christ. It made a way for us to be with Jesus in heaven forever. 
the journey of the sovereign. What an amazing trip. What an amazing gift. What an amazing work. What an amazing Savior. And we call him Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the challenge of it. Thank you for the journey of our sovereign, Jesus Christ the Lord. We deserved nothing. And you did all of this for us. Father, for the person who's here today who's never trusted Christ, would this be the day they would turn and put their faith in Christ alone for their salvation? Not to follow a church, not to follow a group of people, to follow Jesus Christ. And Lord, those of us who are followers of Christ, we have heard the best news that's ever been given. We've accepted the best gift that's ever been given to us. We have trusted you. And Lord, now we have responsibility with your help and with your strength to live out for your glory. Guide us, Father, to do that for the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen.